Hello and welcome to ATO After the Whistle, the locker room, the official off-season podcast of the Capital City Supporters Group. This is an ad hoc special discussion about roster moves, incomings, outgoings for ATO and throughout the CPL, as as well as rumors, credible or otherwise. We're keeping the takes coming all winter long, so you know they'll be hotter and even less accurate. We're on episode two now. We waited a while, didn't we, Joey? We wanted to wait till some more stuff happened. (laughs) Yeah, we did. We did wait a little while. Um, yeah. I, I think I, it's nice. It's nice waiting so that way, you know, there's actually stuff to talk about and stuff with like with substance to talk about. So it's not just, yeah. hey, what random player did you find on the internet, Joey? Well, that's just it. And, and especially because I, I know I, I always I say in the intro that we're doing stuff with incomings and outgoings throughout the CPL as well. I don't know. My heart isn't really in that. We could have more episodes and talk about roster moves that other teams are doing, but I really just don't care what they're doing. It doesn't matter as much, does it? No, I. there's been a couple times this season where someone's been signed, and I think it's just kind of been been you know nice to see a name or two pop up elsewhere yeah. in the league and be like, oh, you know, neat. But I don't think there's been a <laughs> signing elsewhere in the league that has gotten me as excited as some of the signings we have. Yeah. Not because there are it's our club and we are the ones who sign them, but just because of the names that have been signed. The reputation of the club, the reputation of the league is growing every month. Uh, the the skill ceiling is getting higher every month, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just great to see. Yeah, yeah. No, I th- I think it, neat is probably the best way to describe you know the way I feel when uh, when it happens elsewhere. Don't necessarily want to hop on the pod and then you know do an episode about it, but. Uh, yeah, when like when like cavalry signs like Warchevsky or something like that, I'm like, huh, pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I just I'm just glad he's playing, you know? Like it's and just one of those it. things. <laughs> so speaking of some big names, since we spoke last time, we have signed six new players and we ship one of them out somewhere else in the league. So why don't we start with our incomings? The first one who came in after our last episode was Chris Twardick from Bohemians. He was one of our rumors, which came true a few days later. What uh how excited are you about this fella? I think it's going to be a good signing. Uh, like I said before, and I stand by where I said, I think Ireland uh, has roughly the same level of quality of, of play that we have in the same kind of style of play and the same issues uh, mm-hmm. that, that our league encounters. Yeah. So uh, Tordic's going to be able to come over here already with, you know, the knowledge of how to play at this level, uh, how what to expect, and especially from the officials. I think... Something that we've seen when we've signed players from Europe to come over here, right in their first game, uh, they are conflicting with the referees immediately, and it yeah. you know, comes across like I the player knows more than the official. Yeah, and it's hard to control a game like that. But I think Tordic is going to be able to take the experience of Ireland. Also, is dealing with a very similar uh, refereeing shortage and issue right now, where if you're good enough, you're going over to England, Scotland. Mm-hmm. So. They have to do with what, you know, the best that they have in the same way that we do. So I think Twardik is going to be able to bring over a certain level-headedness with the officials that other European players that we've signed hadn't. Yeah, that's an incredibly good point that I had never thought of. Because, I mean, it's true. You get some players in from, you know, really great leagues. They come in, they start getting angry, emotional at the refs. Because, like you said, they think they know more than they do. And, you know, it's very possible they do. Um, you know, they're getting easy cards because they're not getting away with stuff they would have gotten away with or just the calls are worse. And, and you know, you can start boiling up and getting frustrated and angry. And then, as we know from our refs, when they think they're getting attitude from the player... You know, they're not going to be you know reasonable and discuss it. They're just going to throw a card at them. So, uh, you know, they're a bit thin-skinned like that. So someone who's sort of used to a ref, I suppose, is going to be a, a real great asset to us. I think you're absolutely right. I'm also really stoked that he's very tall um, and he can cross the ball from the right flank properly. So, Yeah, we've always been a team that has been relatively tall. Um, I... Uh, I I'm going to actually check in with our stat guy, Alex. I want to see if something he has is if he could t- tell me which teams are the tallest on average. Because I, yeah. I strongly believe we have been one of the tallest teams on average. Okay. Because we've had incredibly tall defenders. Mm-hmm. I want to see what we can do now with tall forwards to match that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think height is something that people don't think about a lot when it comes to to soccer. Height is normally the first basketball thing you think of. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's a it's an underrated but important measure for players, and yeah. and height is something to look at. 
Yeah, I mean, for all the football manager players out there, you know, height and jumping reach. If you're below like 12 in either of those, I'm sorry, but you're not making team Johnny. Um, <laughs> speaking of height, this kid is pretty tall too. Lieberman Torres on loan to us from Villarreal. Um, I, I said that with a French accent from Villarreal. Um, <laughs> it's, he's, right, uh, it's better than I, be- I would have said it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I believe he's Ecuadorian. Um, he is, what is he, 19, 20 years old. Um, and he's a hybrid center back, defensive midfielder. I, I've seen both everywhere. Um, we clearly will have no idea because there's not a lot of footage of this kid. Obviously, playing lower leagues doesn't hit the YouTube a lot. Um, I've seen basically one clip of him getting sent off in a game, I think, against uh, 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 Real Madrid Castilla or something like that. Um, what have you been able to dig up on this kid? He is a sign of Ecuador's new foray into yeah. modern footballing. Their academy systems have been completely reworked over the last decade and a half. And they've really started to dedicate time and effort to a proper coaching structure and a proper player pathway. And that shows in all ends of play, at all levels of play, from the record-breaking fees being given out in the Premier League for -hmm. players from Ecuador, all the way down to where we are with Lieberman Torres, who um, anyone out there who's familiar with the scaled-down version of FM24 that you can get on consoles... Lieberman Torres is a name that typically pops up as one of the top Ecuadorian players by 2028, 20, 2030. Very cool. Uh, to the point where it pushes uh, Villarreal to being one of the top academies in the entire system. <laughs> so wow. it's it's great. I, I think we got incredibly lucky or we were incredibly smart or some combination of the two to find mm-hmm. him and secure a loan like this. It's... It's funny that you mentioned, you know, the two ends of the spectrum um, is, you know, breaking uh, transfer fees in England and then a situation like Lieberman Torres coming to Canada because um, he actually has a picture with uh, Moises Casado from back in their uh, Ecuador, I think under 19 days or something on his Instagram, which is pretty surreal stuff. But um, you mentioned Lucky and I think I feel like this was just like a perfect situation with the perfect timing. This is really the first time I think we've flexed. the good relationship that Atletico Madrid has with Villarreal. Um, you know, they basically had this kid who was on loan with another club and never playing. He spent the first half of the season never playing. I think he made like three appearances. Obviously, Villarreal was not very happy with this. The fans of that club weren't very happy that he was hanging around never playing. Um, so basically, they on deadline day, they needed something to do with this kid. They're like, okay, do we leave him at a club on loan where he's not getting any minutes? Do we bring him back and just play in our farm system or, or what can we do? And I think they probably maybe reached out in the group chat of their ownership structure and was like, hey, is anyone there? You know, can anyone use this kid? And then, you know, Atleti Fernando probably picked up on that and said, hell yeah. You know, for, like this, his announcement, I think, was the day after their transfer window closed. So this obviously happened very quickly. Um, it just... And it goes to show what like our structure when it works together when it's on the ball during recruitment season is really like capable of. And I mean, obviously, hopefully these comments age well and it turns out to be a good pickup uh, at the end of the day. But being a really opportunistic like this is a very important thing, especially at the lower levels when you need to get players in on a budget. So I'm very excited to see how this can turn out. I want to take a moment while we're talking about Torres and point out one of the four, it was four matches that he played. He started in two, he played four um, at uh, at the Spanish team he was with. Mm-hmm. The best game that he played while he was while he's with uh, Villarreal B's, the, the match I'm looking at here, he played 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. 12 touches, 10 out of 10 accurate passes, was fouled once, and won both his ground, ground duels. Those are the only stats he put up in that game, and they are all just impeccable that's for 11 pretty great minutes. for 11 minutes for 11 minutes <laughs> I, it's it's phenomenal I, I, if, if that is what we can come to expect from him mm-hmm. then that is just a piece that is we lost diego Speo and we, we got him right back essentially yeah. only this time he's from a different spanish-speaking country um i'm just I'm I I'm wondering, you know, is he going to try and work his way to a starting CB slot? He very well could be. We're very thin at that position right now. 
Um, we're not thin at DM. We've got Zapater. We've got Sissoko. Um, you, maybe he also gets mentored by by those two. You know what I mean? Maybe he's depth in both positions. Either way, it's I really see no negative side to this pickup. I think one of the big things to kind of talk about, and it might be something we talk about later in the rumors, is there was a certain defender missing from team training photos recently, team training media. Um, this is true. Uh, you know, we met, just had a kid, and that, that could be a reason, but another reason is mayhaps he's not slated for much time with us or Who much knows? more remaining time. Yeah. But I, I think bringing in a player like Torres, keep we met, lose we met, we have a good enough solid piece to put back into the line and say, all right, let's defend. Yeah, agreed. Plus, he has a massive razor blade tattooed on his back. So I don't know. I think this kid's going to bring some black Air Force One energy to uh, to the league. I love it. I want some of the dark hearts. Oh yeah, <laughs> it seems like a wild card. <laughs> yeah, the, this 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 guy seems cool. Yeah. Plus, I just want someone with Torres on the back of an Atleti shirt running around in, in Ottawa. I think that's perfect. Um, here was a coup. Abubakar Suzoko. How excited are you about this pickup? I love it. Uh, I think it shows kind of, A, we do really mean business within this league. We are able yeah. to identify talent, identify talent who is ready to move on, mayhaps wants to move on, um, but also shows that we are not afraid to, you know, go to the big dogs of the club, uh, go to the big dogs of the league, sorry, and and take pieces from them, especially no. when they are seemingly a, a club reluctant to lose pieces. Yeah, and if any club in the league is like that, it's Forge. You know, they basically keep the same roster every year. They might shuffle around two or three pieces at most, but that's about it. Yeah, and I think signing him when we did, right when there was that whole social media blow up about uh henry i think that was just a nice little you know nice little salt in the wound little thing you know yeah everyone's all distracted by henry sissoko just kind of walks out the back door yeah especially because i'm pretty sure we announced that the same day as their Concacaf game <laughs> yeah if not the it same day great. definitely close yeah. um i love everything about this pickup i know uh, back in the day, I believe in 2021, I think 613 Sports had leaked, not leaked, but they had uh, posted uh, that we had been talking with him, which of course we were. I bet everyone in the league was looking to pick him up. He had just put out a great season um, in 2020 with uh, Halifax Wanderers at the Island Games, um, spent 2021 uh, with Indy 11, uh, playing with Wimet, playing with Carl Howarth. Uh, and no, sorry, it was 2022, I believe, that he then got picked up uh, by Forge. And obviously, everyone would have wanted him. Anyone in the league would have wanted him. He was he was a fantastic uh, defensive midfielder, sort of slowly starting to move into more of an attacking midfielder as well. Excellent passer of the ball, just really calm in the middle. And yeah, then he went to Forge and, and uh, won two championships. So the fact that we've gone back again and managed to actually get our man finally, like you say, we mean business. We mean business. If we're willing to put our hand into the Forge cookie jar and just take the cookie out that we want, that we've always wanted, it's, you know, maybe they're not as infallible as they used to be. I think it also shows a growth in the maturity of our front office and the staff that we have. Uh, they've clearly taken the lessons of, of the last couple of years. It hasn't oh, yeah. been just one of those things where it's like, oh, all right, cool. I've got this job and, you know. Just going to sit here until somebody else wants to do it. Clearly, let you know, they're taking these lessons, they're learning, they're studying, they're, they're making changes, and they're making positive, strong, tangible changes, which is something that we've, we have fan, as fans have been asking for and dying for and waiting for, and we are getting them. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what his contract situation was at Forge. Uh, we never know about their contract situation. We just sort of knew that um, he wasn't on the roster list when they were announcing their returning players, when they were announcing their squad for CONCACAF. So obviously the rumors started going wild there. Um, we know that close to the tail end of last season, he wasn't making the team sheet as often. So, you know, if you've really got your pulse on the league, your, your finger on the pulse of the league, and you're seeing that, you know, a player might become available for any various little bits of reasons, um, you got to be the first one there. 
<laughs> and yeah, and you know that's what we did this time because we last time we'd missed out because we weren't. Um, this time we didn't because we were. In this league, at this level of sports business, patience is not a virtue yeah. in any way. <laughs> no, I mean, and, you know, just like the Taurus thing, an opportunity comes up, you jump on it immediately. So I love it. Um, speaking of, gra- of grabbing really great players from other uh, other clubs, Ryan Le- uh, Yesley, Ryan Yesley, keeper of Valor. How the hell did we f- pull that one off? <laughs> I I don't I don't know, and I'm so cautious to just start speculating about what's the thinking like, behind this one <laughs> how it happened i there is got to be some some magic happening in the negotiation room to to bring in a player exchange for a loan there's obviously other considerations happening in the background but this is a signing we didn't know we needed mm-hmm. perhaps didn't know we wanted now yeah. that we have it um it definitely raises questions going into the year regarding, you know, lineup choices and, uh, you know, captain choices I uh, is something else that this changes. Uh, but I think this is, this is phenomenal, man. This is, this is a sign that even though we have let some of our key defending pieces go, we have a plan in place to make up for them. Mm-hmm. We may not be trying to sign the best center backs in the world at the moment. So instead we'll just get a goalkeeper is just as good. It's, I remember being so confused when this news came out. I mean, that whole day was crazy because first we announced that we had re-signed Noah Verhoeven to an extension. Of course, everyone is saying, wait, what? We, we didn't exactly light it up last season. I know a lot of people were a little bit less than impressed with what he had to offer or how he fit into our system with his performances. So we extended him, even though he had another year and an option left on his contract. And then... We find out that he's being loaned to Valor. So not very often do we see players loan between CPL clubs in situations that wasn't is not um, the 2022 uh, FC Edmonton season when they were you know they had all basically all their players were from loan from yeah. uh, York Forge whatever because they couldn't afford to pay anybody. So just realizing that maybe this guy needed some more minutes to develop properly and then sending him to Valor was you know. Pretty, a pretty crazy, almost unprecedented roster moved as well. And then we find out that in the same transaction, we have purchased young Ryan Yesley, who was a, a Golden Gloves finalist, you know, probably one of the hottest young goalkeepers in the league. Um, it was just, it was, it was mind blowing. It was a crazy day of ATO news. Um, so many questions, you know, a lot of people saying, is, is Nathan Ingham going to be gone? You know, Yesley has clearly, you know, shown himself to be better than a backup keeper. So is Nathan Ingham going to be gone because Sean Melvin's not not anymore? So what's, you know, what was the thinking behind this? Or do we just have the best A-B tandem in the league? And at the end of the day, the way that the dust is settled, I feel like that's just what we decided to do. We were like, hey, we need a backup keeper. Um, are we going to get some, you know, young kid from our system to come and, you know, hopefully not really need to make any appearances because we want our backup keeper to be really capable um, obviously, someone like Sean Melvin wasn't happy being a backup keeper. He wanted to be number one somewhere, which is what he ended up going to do. So we just said, "Fuck it, we ball," and we bought the best young keeper in the league to be the backup to Nathan. You know, the successor. <laughs> Why the hell not? At the end of the day, anyways. I think with with this signing, I, um, what I'm feeling is going to happen is Nathan will start at the beginning of the year, but slowly will be phased out for Yesley and. As we get to the second transfer window, I, I could foresee Nathan departing the club at the second transfer window and an actual proper backup keeper coming in at the time. Um, but I, I think just based off of, you know, personalities of the players and um, some of the things that occurred last year, I could 100% see, you know, Yesley coming in and being the starter right from the start, Nathan being our second keeper and there being some other things that happen along the way that allow Nathan to get the playing time that he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I certainly think the idea of a tandem goalkeeping pair would be pretty entertaining, having an A-B set. Uh, it's not something you see very frequently, uh, but no. I think it would be something that on, in the right hands could be used quite well to, to a tactical advantage. It's an interesting one because obviously Ingham has laid down lots of roots in the Ottawa community. You know, he's a, he's a head bartender. 
uh, down in Little Italy on Preston Street at a really great establishment. Um, you know, he's basically begun his next phase of his life, of his career, and he's done it in Ottawa. So you know, one might say, okay, well, he's not likely to leave because of that then. But, you know, as you bring up, maybe he's more likely to phase out the soccer side of his career and transition. And I've seen people on the internet joke that Nathan's going to be the homekeeper and Yesley's going to be the away keeper because Nathan won't be able to get the days off work, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I love that idea. Make it happen. Whether, Make right, it happen. Whether, whether that happens or not, it's, it's a very funny thing to joke about. But you're right. I mean, it's, you know, only time will tell how this is going to work out. But, you know, if, if, I, if I had to pick who I wanted my backup keeper to be, why not have someone that literally has all the potential in the world to take over the reins, either partway through this season or immediately or next season? Right. I think the biggest the biggest thing that Yesley will bring in is a sense of actual competition for the starting goalkeeper spot, which I think mm-hmm. could be something that Nathan needs to to get him to want to stay in the soccer's part of his life. If that's if if he's in a place where he's thinking about one direction or the other, perhaps the added competition is what he needs. Yeah, agree. Um, do you have anything to say about uh, sending Verhoeven the other way on loan to Valor? Uh, I was in the minority camp and that I thought Noah, uh, if, if our season was 32 games instead of 28, I think he would have had a much better ending to the year. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he's going to, I think it was a fantastic decision to send him on loan with the extension. We get a great goalkeeper out of it. Noah gets to go to a club where he will be able to do more and he'll be able to get more attention on himself just because of the nature of how Valor is. And then we get him to come back and we still have him at the end of the day. We still have him. That's the biggest thing that comes out of this is we just get a more veteran player and a good goalkeeper. Um, it's in when we look at some of the other outgoing moves that we've been making this season. Um, it's really we we talk about how our our front office has matured and how they're pursuing players in this off season, and we mentioned uh, the selling of Johnny DeSantos. And um, I know that Verhoeven isn't isn't like disliked in the same way that by the end of the season DeSantos kind of was um, by fans. But at the same time, this kind of just seems like our recruitment team being very ruthless and saying, listen, you didn't meet the standards that we expect from this club last season. We're going to find a way to move you on somewhere else. And we did it with DeSantos, and we've done it with Verhoeven as well. And I mean, it's just—am I like on the wrong track here? Or, or it just really seems to me like they're doing—they they did a really good a, a job of identifying where our weaknesses were last season and doing everything they can to address those. And whether that means shifting players out, it's just as important as shifting players in. I think that's certainly an element to it. Um, I think based on some of the other pieces that we brought in. And the ability to have different midfield and different winger combinations that we have and different amounts of each. Moving Noah out makes sense. Yeah. If it was some one of those situations where it was we wanted to get him out, we would have just sold him outright to Valor or have made it a straight player exchange. I think there is still some faith and there is still some future plan for Noah or some future plan for how the midfield is going to play out. Uh, perhaps part of... The overarching agreement of all of this is um, Zapatero is going to retire at the end of the season. Noah is going to come back and fill that space. That's why we, we extended for the extra year. We're going to send mm. him somewhere else to get the experience, give Zap the send-off year he deserves, give Noah the opportunity to play, get minutes, and continue to improve himself instead of just sitting on the bench. Yeah. And then when he comes back in 2025, we're already good to go. I mean, it's a good show, obviously, because, you know, like you say, Zabotero's got, I believe, this is his option year. Um, it's very likely he doesn't continue after. You know, we just got Suzoko for a couple of years. So, yeah, leaving with a contingency plan to fill that space later is a very good idea. Um, 
he was one that was kind of shot in the dark here. I, I had I had when I when I saw the the news from Northern Tribune, I believe, saying that Jonathan Grant was moving to another CPL club. I definitely immediately said in our in our Discord chat, I was like, I can totally see us taking a flyer on this. Um, this kind of got us written all over it. We have absolutely no right back depth at all, um, and there's not a lot of pieces available that play this position. So Jonathan Grant will be the first player to complete the Ontario Club trio. Uh, what do you feel about this pickup? Um, Jonathan Grant is one of those players that I frequently sign in in early at like the early days of my FM runs. Yeah, just because he's such a reliable piece to have in your defense. He's not the best. He's not the worst. He's not the most stellar. He's not the most garbage. He's consistently number four. Yeah. And sometimes you just want the guy who's always number four. Yeah. Because at least you know he's always going to be number four, right? Yeah. It's it's like having chicken for every meal. It's okay, but you can do a lot with it. Yeah. And it always it always fills the need. Yeah. Like and, yeah. being a player who completes the trio, he comes in with knowing a lot of these clubs very intimately mm-hmm. and knowing them differently than other players, other coaches, other scouts would see them. He could come in and say, you know, during a, during a, a session where they're looking at game tape and getting ready to go, he could say something that no one would have ever seen because it was something that Martin Nash whispered in his ear, right? Mm-hmm. These are also things to, to consider and things to look at. He's going to bring in experience. He's bringing in reliability and it's just a familiar name and a familiar face that people can just comfortably get behind. Yeah, I know um, we mentioned the reliability and the consistency. And unfortunately, those things can get a little bit unhinged when uh, you have an injury record that's about as patchy as his is. Um, there's a really great point in the CCSG article on his signing. And he says that last season, especially, I was out with a couple of injuries, but they were kind of freak injuries. It wasn't like wear and tear from playing a lot type of injuries. It was like, I think one of them was like a concussion or something. One of them was like a face fracture or something like this. It was just, it was kind of freak stuff that wouldn't, wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't come up in a medical. It wouldn't be expected. Um, I mentioned this at the time that we signed him as well. You know, Max Tiso had a bit of a patchy injury history before he joined us as well. And then he spent that first season and he played 27 games. Um, if we're able to you know, get the same sort of consistency out of Jonathan Grant, I think this can you know quietly be one of our better pickups of the off season. All, even with all the flashy names that we've been that we've been bringing in so far, um, just someone with that amount of experience and that amount of you know wisdom and that consistency on that right back position, especially a, a, de- a defensive right back position, when we already have an absolute you know skinny, fast, rapid madman like Twardyk bombing down that wing, it's it's priceless for us. I think. I think something uh, also worth bringing up is the strength of our medical team. Medical teams in sport, I think, do not get the recognition they deserve unless mm. it's something like a, a hockey player's tendon has been cut by a skate or a football yeah. player got hit in the chest and his heart stopped. That's yeah. when the medical team gets the recognition. Uh, Kevin Alleman was so close to just being at a point where he couldn't play anymore because of the status of his knees mm-hmm. and then became one of our best off the bench players during the year that we had him. And during like, I remember that season, every single goddamn time that Kevin Allman scored a goal was an absolute banger. Yeah. And he's gone on now to, to be like a player, a regular player of the month in Indonesia. I've, uh, I've watched some of his clips, like some of those <laughs> ridiculous goals with like the ridiculous music over it too. It's just hilarious. <laughs> uh, Indonesian soccer culture is f- so great. Um, but <laughs> I, I think that just goes to show for a medical team. Even Shaw would come back from an injury and, and look like a different person. Our medical team does great work. Uh, they do efficient work and they are able to get most of our players that are introduced to them back on the field and back to the way they were. And that is phenomenal. And I think that's something that if Grant has a freak injury again or another series of freak injuries, this is the medical team I'd want him to have. Well, fingers crossed on that one because I would love to see him be, you know, our 
week in, week out, starting right back. I think it'd be great, especially if, as we say, we're a little bit iffy on the future of Carl Wimet. But anyways, um, so our most recent pickup in, in this one also came out of friggin' nowhere. Kevin DeSantos. What are we doing this offseason? How did we pull this one off? <laughs> Uh, I think they just already printed a certain amount of shirts with last names on them. Uh, and they're like, wow, Gianni's gone. We still yeah. got these Sissoko jerseys kicking about. We might as well just use them. I genuinely think there was no other strategy involved other than just <laughs> surplus kits. It will be cost effective to just actually sign another DeSantos rather than have to throw all these kits out. <laughs> <laughs> we already have all these S's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I I love it, man. Uh, yeah, again, it's another it's another younger younger player who's got experience in this league and experience with different teams in this league and is able to come in and fill different spots on the pitch and just come in with a sense of youth and a sense of attacking ability that we desperately need. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that he was you know one of uh, York's best players last season. Um, and I mean, the fact that we, and I, I said the same thing about when we got Suzoko, but like, it's just, you know, going to one of our provincial rivals and just taking one of their best players from them is, is hilarious. It's so hilarious. Um, this guy can play. I know that his strongest position uh, is to be playing on the left wing. Um, obviously, Balutabla would be the rifle, you know, penciled in number one on that side. Um, but what I love about him is that really he can be, he can fill in anywhere left wing right wing uh central attacking midfielder it's like why would you have why would you settle on having you know no right wing depth or like a kid right wing depth like antonoro right left wing depth when you can go and get kevin DeSantos to be your wing depth you know what i mean it's ridiculous <laughs> i think this this to me screams of we do not want five last-minute losing games ever, ever again. Yeah. So we are signing not only a starting 11 that can play, we're signing a bench that can play yep. like a starting 11. Yep. We're, si- we're signing and building a bench that we can pull closers out of and just say, all right, 10 minutes left, uh, don't, fucking, don't fucking do last season again. Uh, like... We can do that, and that's what this bench to me says, and that's what Kevin DeSantos' signing says. Mm-hmm. He is an insurance piece. He is a, a, a player that we can put in for the last 25 minutes of a game and know comfortably that he can make a difference when we need it and if we need it. It's just having the all these different... Um, I keep having this argument when uh, when people are coming up with starting 11s and things like this, and they have someone penciled in as a starting in this position. I don't think anyone is safely penciled in in any position in our attack. I think that it's going to be so fluid and switching around so much depending on the opponents that we're playing. You know, we might be playing a 4-4-2 with two strikers up at the top. We might be playing a 4-2-3-1, a 4-3-3. The thing is, is that we have the personnel that can pull off all of these different formations, all of these different styles, all these different approaches. And I think the Kevin DeSantos signing really hits home the fact that we're going to be switching it up attack-wise week in, week out, depending on what it is we need to do. I think having a more elastic formation and uh, more depth of, of playing pieces is something that we desperately have lacked year in, year out. And I think this, again, I keep bringing it back and I keep bringing it back to it, but this just shows true growth and yeah. and true changing and understanding of the sport itself and yeah. how it's supposed to be handled at this level. Absolutely. It's like, why don't we go pick up a piece that can, you know, allow us to approach the game differently if our current approach isn't working? Because we're so... We have a pretty bad history of, of, you know, just trusting the process and, oh, the approach isn't working, but just keep going and then we'll get there in the end. But, you know, sometimes you need to throw on someone like Kevin DeSantos and just, you know, flip the script at the 60-70th minute if things aren't working out. Try something new. So, so that's a lot of incomings that we had since our last episode. Outgoings really was just no overhooving going to Valor. Unless we want to, you know... Uh, speculate wildly about our other three options that still have not been announced it's been two months since the end of last year um miguel acosta we've already announced has been leaving our other options that haven't been mentioned whatsoever we have malcolm shaw we have zach verhoven we have zachary Roy. 
Um, there's uh, it's all quiet on the Western Front on all three of these players. However, some sleuthing that was done. This is kind of really funny and random, but um, so Alberto Zapater's wife Maria, she has a really great Instagram. Um, they travel a lot, so you get to see all of their fun adventures with the with the family and everything like that. But you also sometimes get to see some inside stuff with the team because she's very you know active with the other players. Obviously, as um, you know, the wife of of the you know the most uh, seasoned Spanish player, they obviously bring the younger Spanish players under their wing, spend time with them. Uh, get them acclimated to the area. So, anyways, they threw a birthday party for Ruben Del Campo. It was his twenty fourth birthday, I believe. And on her Instagram story was a picture of his birth of him holding his birthday cake. Now, this birthday cake said Ruben Del Campo number nineteen. As we all know, Ruben Del Campo wore number ninety nine last season. Malcolm Shaw has worn the number nineteen for the first four years of the existence of Atletico Ottawa. What does this mean? It really makes your brain run wild, doesn't it? Is Malcolm Shaw on the out? Ruben has worn 19 before. He wore 19 in his last two clubs he was at before he came here. He wore it when he was younger at uh, Atletico B. Um, he obviously, he was 99 last year, and it seems like he might be wearing number 19 this season. I I would... This is what I speculate happened. Mm-hmm. I think we declined Malcolm's option. I think we did that a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Malcolm gave permission to pass down the number, gave the mantle to however you want to phrase it, but you're right. Del Campo is going to be wearing 19 this season and Shaw is gone. And I think the reason that announcement hasn't been made is Malcolm has a very, very unique relationship with the supporters mm-hmm. and just announcing Malcolm's departure mm-hmm. is going to have ripples and repercussions. Yeah. So I think they're timing it. I think they're waiting until they have something equally good to give us at the same time, or there is in development of a media packet that's going to go out at the same time. I think the biggest thing is Malcolm has departed the club. It hasn't been announced yet. And they are truly trying to handle this with the care and respect that Malcolm Shaw deserves from this club and from this city. It certainly does seem that way, doesn't it? Um, <clears throat> I know they probably realize they dropped the ball with the Costa. Um, and they're like, okay, we can't do that again, especially with our club's biggest legend to this point. You know, Malcolm Shaw, even though Acosta passed him with appearances last season, he's the only player remaining from the very beginning of our club's existence. Um, his his parents, his family uh, 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 are well woven in the identity of our supporters culture here. Um, I totally agree. I think that he probably is gone and they are really making sure they get it right to celebrate his time here uh, in announcing that he has left. Um the the number thing just just to be more clear as to why we think that the number thing means this it's you, you could even overhear in one of our early uh, off season going through the uh, locker room uh, filming video you can see uh, Nate Ingham talking with Ryan Yesley um, and he says well the way the numbers work is you know the senior guys keep their numbers and then the new guys take the numbers that are left afterwards and so you know that's how the club operates. Malcolm's yeah. always worn 19. He would never just give up 19. So this is why yeah. we think this is what's happened. I th- and I think with soccer is kind of of the major sports in in the Western world uh, is the one that doesn't retire numbers. Mm-hmm. Instead, it, it, instead of retiring numbers, you see a passing of a mantle of two players want to you know carry a number through. You see it a lot with number seven, number nine, number 10, number 11. Mm-hmm. There's a, a sense of an honor, not because those numbers have tradition, but because those numbers have tradition with the person associated with them at that club. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, I can 100% foresee or, or 100% see Malcolm having given that to Del Campo and saying like this, you know, last season was rough for you. This season's going to be your season. And I believe in you. Yeah, number 19. Em- and bro, don't wear the 99 anymore. No one at ATO wear 99 anymore, okay? It just doesn't work out. Yesley, please don't wear it. I know you wore that Valor, but... 
Look, at least one player has to be listening to this. Whatever player is listening to this, make him wear 98. Make him wear 98 and put a little plus one with tape beside it. Oh but God. for the love of God, I don't want to see it out there. So, uh, yeah, Ver- in Verhoeven and Watt, no clue about either of them. We haven't seen any of them in our in our uh, uh, preseason footage, so we can only assume that they are also going the same way as Malcolm. I hate to phrase it this way, uh, but they will probably, possibly, this is Joey speculating, just be footnotes in Malcolm's, Malcolm's announcement. And at the same time, at the very bottom, the last sentence will also say, the club also releases Zach Raw and Zach Verhoeven. That's possible. Um, it, it's a it's an unfortunate way to go, but um, I just with the other pieces we brought in, with some of the rumors that are still circling, with the amount of time left before the actual kickoff of the season, I don't foresee them playing in stripes this year. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, for anyone saying that we might be jumping the gun, even though the club hasn't put any news out, they're basically forcing our hand. If we're going to have an opinion, our opinion right now is that they're not back because they haven't been announced as being back and they haven't been shown anywhere in any of the club media. So it's really the only thing we can believe at this moment. Having said all that, okay, so we don't have a whole lot of uh, rumors this time around. Um, because, you know, we had a lot of rumors last time and then we went ahead and signed like six or seven players. So (laughs) we have, however, another advancement on one of our biggest rumors that we had in our last episode. So this is the biggest rumor of the Colsey PL offseason, in my opinion. And, you know, it's still going on. Uh, That is of one Manny Aparicio. So for our last episode, it had been, you know, obviously he had been announced he was leaving Pacific. Uh, Northern Tribune and Wanderers Notebook had both uh, released articles saying that lots of CPL clubs were interested in him, um, as well as MLS clubs, and he was, you know, sizing up his interest. Now, the most recent development on this rumor that we've seen was uh, a tweet and an article out on February 17th uh, from Josh Healy of Wanderers Notebook, who you should go follow him. You should go follow Wanderers Notebook. Um, yeah, it's called Wanderers Notebook, and there's a focus on them, but they actually report across the whole league. It is very good stuff, very good journalism. Um, so he tweeted on February 17th, The deal isn't done yet, but I'm told that Letico Ottawa is the front runner to sign Manny Aparicio. He had multiple multi-year offers from CPL clubs that would make him the highest paid player in the league. The Halifax Wanderers are officially out of the running. <laughs> Previously, I reported that Aparicio had several suitors. I was told his desire was to play at an MLS club, and there was interest from TFC and Vancouver Whitecaps. The player had been delaying a decision until he heard back. Still, the deal is not fully over the line. Obviously not fully over the line, but it seems like we're the front runners. MLS season has already started. I don't think they're adding a 28-year-old from CPL at this, you know, two games into the season. It seems like this might happen, Joey. What do you feel about this? This whole... Manny Aparicio, will he, won't he? Yeah, uh, this so has dramatic. Been, this has been our league's killing Mbappe to Real Madrid. I cannot yes. wait for Eddie to eviscerate me in the Discord for saying that, but that's my hot take of the episode. Yeah. Um, it's the closest I, thing we've got. Holy sh**, man, I'm loving it. It's fun. It's yeah. fun. This is what the offseason should be about, is yeah. a couple big-name players who... No one's going to know until the very last day of the transfer season. Mm-hmm. But by then, we'll all have already known. Uh, if if he comes here, uh, I've got a great chant based on a Barry Manilow song I want to whip out for him. Okay. Uh, aside from that, I'm just hopeful and excited. I'm very excited. It was. I don't understand how it would work uh, money-wise. Um, at the same time... I'm not, a, it's not my money. I'm not a mathematician. I don't care how it works. Ford seems to be able to get away with not knowing how it works either. And that's been going fine for them. So um, we're, the allegations are going to be hard to beat. I don't think we'll be able to beat them. But at the same time, you know, it feels good being on the other side of that. So I am, you know, I can't believe that there's a situation where one of Zapatero, Suzoko, Ali Bassett, or Manny Aparicio might start a game on the bench. <laughs> That's quite insane to me, but the fact that we might be able to make that happen is hilarious. Oh my god, absolutely. It's it's 
again, it's it's having a bench that's just a second starting eleven. So at any point in the game, you can start it like it's a brand new game. I I, I want to quickly address. Feel free to cut this part out if you want to, Johnny. Um, okay. I want to address the whole the caps not real joke. Okay. Uh, I want to. I want to actually talk about it, not from the idea of like, oh, the cap's not real, haha, the big clubs. No, I genuinely think they're working below the cap. I think that in the amount of actual money being given to the players in exchange for their playing services is below Mm -hmm. the cap. But I think there are other considerations outside of the cap that people aren't thinking about. My biggest one is your housing Mm -hmm. and your... um, like your food budget and your just the daily budgets and other things outside. I believe that housing does count towards the cap. Does housing count? But there are other things that you can do outside the cap, especially from what we've heard from Forge for the past five years is that they, they hire a lot of their players to also be youth courses, uh, youth coaches at Sigma. Um, you know, you could double a player's salary by doing that easily. Yeah. And, and again, in that, outside of the actual yes so I, I think there has to be other things but I, I i think one of the reasons you see the cap changing every year and and you know how the cap can be divided <laughs> what the minimums are what the maximum are is because the club understands and the players also have some sort of understanding that they are not going to be making you know high six figures in this league yeah instead they'll make They'll be able to be a professional athlete who can just be a professional athlete if they just want to be a professional athlete. But there's this space in the window for them to do other things. And there are other ways to incentivize a player coming here. Yeah. Uh, Zapater, for example, there's no way we were able to offer him a financial contract that would entice him to come here. But Canada is a a great place to raise a family, Mm -hmm. especially in his uh, income bracket. Mm-hmm. phenomenal place to be um while our youth football is different and is certainly evolving uh now would be the time to to get in here especially if you're someone like him who can influence policy and decisions at a at a micro level uh, i think this is a great place for him to be and he's not here because we offered him the money but because we offered him the opportunity of what canada can be yeah, and I, there's so many other things that you can offer a player, especially, I mean, one thing that I can't stress enough is you can offer a player a project, right? And I mean, we heard it from the very beginning of the offseason when it was announced that Ingham was coming back, that Tiso was coming back, that we had signed to Brienne. All that they were saying in all of their interviews was, we're going to try and win the double, and some of the names that we've signed this offseason are outrageous. So this this was the this was the plan all along. This was the package. This was like, listen, we're challenging for everything. These are some of the pieces that we've already brought in. It would not surprise me if, if players like Yesley, you know, players like Twardek, even players like Suzoko, Jonathan Grant, Tissot are coming in at a lot less than they might be making in other normal circumstances. And I also wanted, you know, uh uh really emphasize on how many players we lost this offseason. Carl Howarth, that wasn't little money. Sean Melvin, that wasn't little money. That was a USL starting keeper right there. McDonald Neba, that wasn't little money. Johnny DeSantos, an international player from another uh, CPL club, probably not little money. Diego Espeo, loan. Luke Singh, loan. Asi, loan. Iliadis, loan. Miguel Acosta, that probably wasn't little money. That's probably why we had to let him go. These are really big names. This was a lot of cap space that was freed up. And, you know, maybe we just divvied it around a little smarter this time yeah the the reason i want to get on is because we have definitely now entered the 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 realm of being one of the clubs that people are going to say the cap's not real i just want to be able to have an argument to say the cap is real and i think forge was the first to figure out how to work their way around it yeah and i think everyone's starting to figure it out and once all eight clubs have it figured out you're going to see a big old jump in the cap yeah that's just how it works I'm, we're very well aware that you know we were part of the group along with everybody else in the CPO that wasn't Forge that would always make jokes about Forge cheating. Um, you know we're not going to pretend that we didn't do that. You know what I mean? No, absolutely um, not. Like our hands are bloodied here too. Everyone, everyone did absolutely. But at the same time, everyone when put in that reverse position is going to secretly be like, 
Oh, cool. I guess it's our turn now. You know what? No, no oh one's gonna. God. No one's gonna go on their soapbox and be like, "I decry our team cheating the cap, and I will no longer be supporting Atletico Ottawa." It's absurd. And if you think that you would do that in the same position, you're lying. You're no, and lying. This is my version of doing that. This is my version of I feel bad that we're cheating the cap. So I did air quotes for everyone who can't see. I just did air quotes. It was air quotes. <laughs> Quote there unquote, was air cheating. quotes. No, I just think that. The cap is there because it needs to be there because there are going to be, you know, when we hit rapid expansion, the new clubs won't be able to afford what the big clubs can based off of just reputation. Mm -hmm. Cap needs to be there, but there are certainly ways to skirt it. Yeah, no, hard agree. And, you know, just because we figured it out, you know, don't go hit, don't hit the player, man, hit the game. Um, it's nope. pretty douchey, the, but no, whatever. the next two in order of figuring <laughs> it out are going to be Halifax in 2025 mm. and Vancouver in 2027. Those are my estimates. Do you think Calvary maybe not be there already? Oh, they're already. I, I, I certainly think they're already there, but I think yeah. they've just been quiet about it. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, I think the biggest one obviously is Forge, but I think you're, you're probably spot on with giving them the coaching pathway as well because yeah. Frank, as someone who's going through the Canadian pathway, if you're not already a player, you you have to be rich to go through it. Yeah, it is it it is an expensive process. No, I bet. So Manny's our big rumor still for the second episode in a row. Who is you know you like to throw at some left fields here? Who is who is on your you know, not necessarily rumors, but you know a want list, a shopping list. So I'm gonna keep it thematic. Uh, I've got one young Canadian player and someone who's just kind of out of nowhere. For a young Canadian player, allow me to introduce Gabriel Gabriel Pellegrino. Pellegrino, Gabriel Pellegrino, okay. Uh, He currently plays for Sudtriel in uh, in, uh, Italy's second highest youth league. Okay. Uh, he's on loan from the three, German three Liga team SC Freiburg. Okay. Uh, for Freiburg two last season, he made seven appearances, scoring one goal along the way. Okay. Uh, this is a 19-year-old Canadian player with mm-hmm. Italian heritage. He plays cool. as a midfielder, a central defensive midfielder, and a right winger. He has okay. incredible potential. His loan ends the on the second day of our second transfer window. He's back oh, okay. in Germany at that huh. time and ready to go. And, uh, you know, according to some sources I've found uh, and other sources I've found, his contract has been mutually terminated already oh, wow. ahead of time. So when he gets back to Germany, he's departing back because of Canadian playing interest. Interesting. Um, he wants to play in at least North America. Okay. So there is the potential that if, again, this is coming from a very roughly translated German uh, <laughs> podcast that I had found. Yeah. Um, but if he is leaving to come to Canada, this could be someone we want to look at. He is, uh, again, right wing midfielder who is incredibly young with a lot of potential. And he's been been looked at by Italian clubs and German clubs outside of where he's already playing now. Uh, he's had a little bit of time uh, playing in England as well. He's trialed with Man City uh, okay. for a, a very brief time uh, when he was 16. So you mentioned that um, his loan ends during our uh, mid-season transfer window. Um, I can easily see us leaving roster spots open for situations like this. Everyone needs to add halfway through the season, you know, whether it's one of your dev kids that you're calling up or or whatever. But um, we, what we, if none of our options come back, I think we've got, what, five spaces left? So I can see us, um, you know, at, I can see us probably signing Luca Piccioli. He's been in all of our events. Um, so that leaves us four positions left. I can see us maybe filling two of those. And then, yeah, going in the midseason with transfer window with two open slots. Why not bring in a kid like this? Especially one that's not going to count towards an international spot because I think we only have one left at the moment. Yeah. My second player is, uh, has this, his selection is because of a favor for Eddie. Uh, <laughs> this is a 26 year old Ghanaian defender who currently plays Let's for Heart of Lions. Okay. Uh, this is Ebenezer Aban. 
What a name. I I love it, man. Wow. (laughs) He's played 15 games so far this season. uh, 15 out of 18 possible. Mm -hmm. uh, Full 90 minutes in each. Wow. This guy is a no not like he is a strong fast two-way defender in those 15 games he has four goals wow okay he also has two goals in two appearances in the Ghanaian super cup this year i love this he is essentially a he's essentially neba if neba was not made of glass and he scores so he's like did it yes exactly <laughs> uh Ghanaian did it i love this Heart of Lions are currently in third last uh, and are essentially, unless they pull out an absolute miracle over their next couple games, pretty much guaranteed to be relegated down to the second division. Meaning his current price tag, which uh, is sitting between 110, 153,000 Canadian dollars, will be significantly cheaper Mm -hmm. because something very common in African countries are uh, very low relegation release clauses okay a lot of those players would rather just go to a different country in like a different african country's top flight yeah. and play in their own country's second tier. okay because it is it does often jump from professional day to amateur mm-hmm. in just one immediately yeah okay that makes sense uh so if someone who has some value he's not a national team player but has had national team shouts before mm-hmm. he's got ability he can play the game and he's only 26 so he's got time to play this is the kind of opportunity we should be looking for in an international player. Mm-hmm. He'll fill a slot, but it's a useful way to fill a slot. He has time to go. He is a player that we could certainly sell on into the future. Because, again, we could even just grab him on loan. Heart of Lions is a yo-yo club. They mm-hmm. very frequently go up and down. Uh, and so if we grab him on loan, he can go back when they get promoted the next year, which they most likely will. Yeah. Uh, but either way... This is another strong defensive piece that I think will slot in really, really well for us. I also want to point out that the Ghanaian Premier League is called the Bet Pawa Premier League. Okay. <laughs> I just really like that. All right. I love it. I, I love both of these players that you brought up here, Joey. I think I think we could do a number with both of them. So we got Gabriel Pellegrino and Ebenezer Aban. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, again, uh, Fernando. My phone number is attached to my season ticket. <laughs> Do it. Oh, I love it. Well, there you go. There was Joey's picks. There's Joey's shopping list for the offseason. As we said, if none of our options get picked up and we sign Luca Piccioli, then we've got four players to work with, four spaces to work with, one of them uh, an international slot. I believe we actually have to pick up one more under 21 player for our roster. I think you need three. Do you not? You need three, and we only have the two, I believe. We have Antonaro and Tier Walker. So we do need to pick up another yeah, one of those. One more. Which, you know, Gabriel Pellegrino. What'd you say? He's only 19? Yeah, he's only 19. He's a young lad. This is no brainer stuff. You know, Fernando, you started the offseason very strong. We're going to help you finish it strong. <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> options here. Good options. Ta- talk about starting the season strong. Starting in March, which is in a couple days. We are officially beginning the CCSG membership drive. Um, Their website will be updated March 1st, which I'm pretty sure that's Friday. We're a leap year this year, right? Yes, Friday. So uh, the website will be updated. You'll be able to register as a member of CCSG for the paid tier that we are introducing um, directly on the website. Um, This gives you access to our members-only Discord. You get a discount on the EPL Fantasy League. You get access to get the membership scarf, priority access to all events and road trips. It's just, it's well worth it. We've been operating for uh, almost half a decade now, uh, completely free. Um, Obviously, you know, that's probably tens of thousands of dollars and tens of thousands of free man hours that goes into doing what it is that we've been doing for these past couple of years. Now it's time that we're going to bring in this sort of paid tier so we can really bring ourselves to the next level. Um, it's also going to be quite affordable. All this is going to be in the membership drive uh, that starts next month. So keep a lookout for that. Um, switching gears a little bit. Um, Atletico Gatno, which is a futsal team. Um, no uh, affiliation with ATO. Um, Joey, why don't you tell us about Atletico Gatno? Yeah, uh, Atletico Gatno is uh, 
founded and operated by Max Rosen, the ticketing director of Atletico Ottawa. Again, Atletico Gatineau, uh, just to be clear, has no affiliation with uh, Atletico Ottawa. It is just named similarly uh, out of respect to the club. Mm. Um, Atletico Gatineau is a fantastic up-and-coming futsal club in the growing sphere of futsal, which is very, very big in Quebec right now. Um, I used to coach for them last season. They're a wonderful program. Uh, They're currently expanding themselves right now to work with youth. But their senior team is one win away from winning their league for, I believe, the second time in a row Mm -hmm. and two years of existence. They are, again, a top club in Quebec in terms of futsal. Uh, They have a game this Saturday. We will be pushing that on the CCSG social media. If you're able to get yourself out to Gatineau to attend that, uh, I'll be there, and I'd love to see as many people else uh, as we can. It is at the same time as Ottawa's PWHL game, so I totally understand, you know, conflict of schedule, but come out and watch just a very fast, very entertaining version of football. Yeah, we've got, this is why I love CCSG, man. It's not just about ATO. You know, they go to Ottawa South United games. They go to watch Joey coach children. They go to watch Atletico <laughs> Gatineau futsal games. Um, you know, I can probably count on two hands the amount of people that are season ticket holders for our uh, professional women's hockey league team. You know, it's just, it's about so much more. And I, I love that, you know, we, we push, you know, how, how how much do the kids love you know, having a cheering section with the megaphone and a drum there, like cheering them on, you know what I mean? Like something that they never imagined being able to uh, to play in front of. Obviously, the futsal team aren't kids, but, you know, but the same dealio, you know, having like a full on actual SG watching them play futsal. Incredible stuff. It makes it makes such a huge difference yeah. uh, beyond what you would understand. I want to take a quick moment here. A huge, huge, huge heartfelt thank you to Patrick Gibson and John Hopkins, mm-hmm. uh, both members of CCSG. John is our treasurer. Patrick is one of our writers. Uh, they both came out to watch uh, the Nepean Hotspurs Parents versus Children series mm-hmm. uh, that we had last weekend, two weekends ago now. Uh, they came out, they drummed, and they cheered nonstop. Uh, for an hour apiece uh, for t- 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds. That, to me, as a youth coach, uh, honestly, brought tears to my eyes to, to see that happen. It is phenomenal. Um, the the general manager of the club, the technical director from the club, were very grateful to have this kind of love and affection from our local supporters group. Mm-hmm. And to me, it means a lot because this is what I want to do. This is what I'm trying to do and to see the people in the supporters group to see my friends out there and believing in it and cheering it for it and believing in it as well. It, it means the world to me. So huge thank you to, to everybody involved in these kind of programs. Beautiful stuff. That's what it's all about. And I mean, they were also cheering on Bryce, were they not president? Wasn't he actually playing in that game? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Bryce was the goalkeeper uh, for the uh, parents team. Yeah. They lost 10, <laughs> nine. <laughs> I love it. I I would say that Bryce might have let that in to let the kids win, but I also would like to maybe joke about him not being a very good goalkeeper. I don't know. I'm gonna pick which one's funnier next time I see him. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't comment. He's my drive to practices. <laughs> he is true. Um, uh, other you know other big news so far the off season. Really, the last big piece of news that we've got for this is uh, obviously today as we're recording yesterday as you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and two days ago, if you went to the season seat membership uh, uh, event, um, ATU have launched their community edition home kit for the 2024 season. Community first kit is what it is called uh, with a partnership with Maple Lodge Farms and Caldwell Centers, Ottawa. Each jersey sold will provide dinner to 30 people or six families to the Ottawa area. This is incredible stuff. What a what an incredible cause that this is uh, to battle food insecurity in the Ottawa area, which as much as it as all across the world all across the country all across north america as well this is becoming a growing growing problem uh post-covid rising inflation rates rising cost of living rates it's absolutely a jungle out there right now so really tackling an issue as important as this one uh using the resources we have using the outreach that we have um to partner with these groups and tackling this issue is an incredible feat and um, huge shouts out to uh, all the people at the club that made this happen. You know, people like Johnson and people like Thomas Stockton, these people behind the scenes that are forging these relationships and really 
connecting with the community to do something as simple as just a shirt and turn it into something beautiful turning into something important for the community that we that we exist in you know it's not just a profit driver to send back home to daddy club in spain like this is a way to really really give back to the community so encourage everyone to go buy one of those shirts because they're also gorgeous what do you think about them joey i love them there there's something special to me about when clubs decide to take a little retro stab at things. Uh, I'm a young guy, so I get yelled at when I use the word nostalgia. But man, those <laughs> those shirts make me have make me feel some nostalgia, man. <laughs> uh, if you are, aren't able to buy a shirt, though, uh, the soccer shirts that uh, are sold at our level can be fairly pricey. Mm-hmm. It's true. Please, if you can, make a donation anyways. These programs do make a massive difference on a day-to-day level. Um, I live in a neighborhood that many people use these programs, and it makes a visible difference. Yeah. To and when when people ha- are able to help, even if it's just a little bit, a little bit to you is a lot to somebody else. Absolutely. So five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you can do, if you can, please, please make a donation. One hundred percent. Let's really step it up even more this year. I love it. I can't wait to see our boys out there in these stripes um, and our boys and girls and all in between in the stands as well because, like I said, this thing is gorgeous. I've already bought one. Um, I love the navy collar that's almost black. You know, we've almost got the red, white, black Ottawa sports colors on it. I love the thin stripes. I wasn't a huge fan of last season only having like three stripes on it. I love the really thin. Yes, we look like a barbershop quartet. I get that. I don't care. I still like it. Um, it really reminds me of the kit that Atletico Madrid won the league in a couple of years back. So, I mean, you know, it's <laughs> it's only good vibes with this thing, I think. Uh, I, I, want, I believe it was Josh who pointed this out. There's also a really, really lovely for Ottawa, Port Ottawa uh, detail on the mm-hmm. very bottom of the back of the kit. Yeah. Blended into one of the stripes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the little things like that, man. I love it. I love the micro in our things. It's very cool, and I love that it's not like because a lot of the little details that Macron has been doing for the CPL kits aren't really little details. They kind of like you know mash them in, really, really come out and slap you in the face with it. The fact that you wouldn't really know that was there until someone pointed it out to you and you looked really close. It's like a nice little detail that I feel it doesn't take away from the larger uh, aesthetic, right? It just it adds to it. There are still things I'm learning about our old kits that somebody's pointed out. Um, one of my favorite home kits has been the chainmail kit. Yeah, I didn't realize until probably three weeks ago that the chainmail O is the Ottawa. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize that. I thought it was just chainmail. I like I it's the little it. things like that. The the actual physical texturing <laughs> of our blue away kit from a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, it's the little features, man. I love Fantastic. it. Fantastic, so much. Can't wait till that thing arrives. Um, can't wait for us to wear it at our home opener against York United, Saturday, April 13th. Um, single game tickets are not yet on sale, but flex packs are. Pick three tickets are. Season tickets are. I assume that single game tickets will be closer to actual kickoff time. However you go, make sure you go. Make sure you go to the dub if you can, if you're feeling it. If not, you can sit anywhere else. But Joey, this has been another incredible episode of the locker room thank you so much for joining me this week it's this always week, a pleasure this to month be here. whatever <laughs> it's always a pleasure to be here johnny i'm oh, going yeah. back to sleep for a month i will see you <laughs> do it all right thanks for y'all